And I explained to the people too. I stood up. I was like, all right, listen. Oh, first second, we're gonna do seven. Second second, we're gonna do five. So, all right. Allahu Akbar. I started reading Surah Fatiha. So then, yeah, yeah. So then, I, I turned around. Cause the thing is, when I'm reading Salah, I, I zone out. Yeah. I completely zone. Out. I just go into like auto autopilot. And then, uh, I feel you on that. And then, yeah. So then, I, I finished the Salah, and then all these like Pakistani uncles in the back were like, again, again, repeat the Salah. And I was like, well, actually, you know, the takbirat are sunnah, they're not a, a, like a pillar, <laughs> of, yeah, a pillar of the, they weren't having it. So I'm like, no, nah, we either pray proper or we don't pray at all. And I was like, all right, we'll, 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 we'll do it again, we'll do it again. Okay. Uh, so Shala, now I do it again. Shala no janazah, though. These guys get it. These two janazah. It's tough, though. It's tough. The autopilot throws it off. Yeah, All right. Welcome back to another episode of The Purposeful Project. Thank you for tuning in again to The Purposeful Project. Uh, we have a wonderful and amazing guest with us today, Yahya Abdelhadi. Uh, Jazakallah alf khair for coming in, uh, like Adnan was saying, to the lab. We're fortunate to have you and inshallah excited to see where this conversation goes. I'm trying to be real and genuine across all facets. And it's our first guest too, man. Yes, so that's amazing. Yes. We've been talking about this and we had to get Yahya. We honestly, we're trying to think of an amazing pillar in our community. And mashallah, he's not going to admit it, but we'll humbly say for him <laughs> for sure. that he is that guy mashallah. that we want to bring in, inshallah. And so without cool. further ado, we'd love uh, to hear a little bit of the backstory, you, your transitions into adulthood and into what you're doing both in Vancouver as well as in Saudi Arabia. Inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa barakatuh, everyone. All right, where do I start? You guys said uh, background first. Yes. Exactly. So where did you go to school? Uh, all right, let's let's take it back. Uh, what, 20, 26 years now? community you grew huh? up in? Oh, I grew yeah. up in a bunch of communities, man. You know, so <laughs> us Somalis were nomads. We go around, you know. So uh, so I was born in Ottawa. All right, so my parents, right when they came, were born. I was born in Ottawa. Then we moved out here to Vancouver. I was in Vancouver for about five years, up until kindergarten. Then we moved out to Seattle. Lived there till I was about 11. Uh, then we moved back to Surrey. Uh, lived there till I was about 13, and then back to Richmond, where I currently live. Uh, so yeah, alhamdulillah, I've been around. Um, where did I go to school? A bunch of schools again. Uh, I went to high school in Tamanos. That's the only one. That, and the people might be able to uh, yeah, yeah. to guess. I was actually homeschooled before that, but that's a long oh, story. Oh my God! Yeah, so infamous homeschooled. Infamous homeschooled. You remember? Yeah, yeah. Right. So that's a, that's a, that's another long story. We can do a podcast on that alone. Yeah, you know? What happens uh, in Richmond State? Exactly. Exactly. But uh, no, I I graduated from a Tamanos Secondary School out in Surrey, um, and then uh, I remember actually because after Tamanos. I was living in Richmond, so I used to commute every day mm -hmm. uh, to Syria and back. So I remember right after grad, I was like, there is no way I'm commuting more than like 15 minutes for post-secondary. Yeah, so yeah. I signed up for Lingera. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I did, I did, uh, I did uh, two years at Lingera, and then I transferred over to UBC, alhamdulillah. Back to an uh, hour and 15 minutes now. Exactly. You know, by then I got over it. You know, yeah, I, I didn't have the, the senior year PTSD. Yeah. Um, and then, and then uh, yeah, no, I, f I finished my bachelor's of biology at the uh, University of British Columbia just about a month ago, alhamdulillah. Um, in my last year and a half of my bachelor's of biology, I was also juggling a degree at the Islamic University of Medina. Um, so what got you into that, man? So, because uh, uh, that was interesting. When you were okay, so we're gonna have to go back a little bit. So, yeah. so what happened was, um, let's go back to me starting homeschooling, right? Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll take it back. So what actually happened was, um, uh, we moved over from Surrey when I was in grade eight. This was yeah. two thousand and seven. Mm -hmm. 
and we moved really late in the end of the summer and so all of the high schools near my house was full yeah, right yeah. and, I, and uh, I remember you guys know McRoberts right yeah, McRoberts yeah, Secondary yeah. School yeah. and so uh, I remember the first day I came into Richmond I pulled up to the masjid and I bumped into uh, Abdul Aziz yeah, right oh, and it was, it was yeah. only the Somali kid yeah. I, the first time I met him too right <laughs> and I remember you know he was playing out we used to have a little ghetto hoop in the back of the masjid yeah, yeah. right so uh, he was playing there and he was like yeah I'm going to uh, Steve's London Secondary School next year and I pull up so you know I go home I was like Hoya I have to go to Steve's London Secondary School I met a Somali kid at the masjid and uh, so we go to the school and they're like, sorry, you know, you're not in our cashment, we're full. Yeah, you're going to have to go to the school in your cashment. And I was like, all right, what school's in my cashment? And they're like, McRoberts. So we go up to McRoberts and I never stepped foot in the school. We just drove by and I saw like three goth kids standing outside. Yeah, yeah. And for whatever reason, I was like, yo, the school is all goth kids. I'm not going to the school. Yeah, right. I don't care. French immersion. Too. Yeah, I, I, yo, I knew nothing about the school. I based my entire yeah, opinion yeah. of the school on those three goth kids standing outside. You know, so I was like, no, no way. I can't do it. And then someone was like, well, you got to go to high school. So she was like, how about homeschooling? What do you think about homeschooling? Right? And I was so, and to this day, I don't know why I was that, that against McRoberts. But I was. You could have just finessed the address. Be like, oh, we live in the Right? I could have done so many things. But I was just like, you know what? I'm not, so I was like, all right, what about do homeschooling for grade 8? And then grade 9, we'll try to get you in for Steve's London. And I was like, okay. Right? I was like, okay. No, no worries, you know? I was, trying, I was trying to play video games at home too. You know, I was, I was an introverted kid. So you know, I really didn't mind. And then so uh, I did homeschooling for grade 8. And then what actually happened is I ended up doing all of the grade 8 coursework and all the grade 9 coursework in that year of oh, grade 8. So I was a year ahead. Double up. Yeah, so my mom saw this and then she's like, nah, I'm not going to send this kid to I'm not gonna send this kid to public school. No. She's doing a little too well. Yeah. So, uh, so she was like, all right, what do you think about memorizing the Quran? And at the time, I had a cousin, um, shout out to Dawood. <laughs> um, he uh, he lives in Surrey. And oh, the big dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he oh, he memorized the Quran at a madrasa they opened up over there. Yeah. And you know how Somali mom gets talking, you know. Uh, so yeah, it's spread around. It's like, oh, my son's a hafid, yeah, yeah. you know. And then so she's mom, still on the head for that. Uh-huh. She's still on the head for that. Yeah, you know, I was like, my son's a hafid. Yeah. So mom's like, mom's like, listen, I don't care. You are gonna take the bus every day. And you're gonna go to the the duksi, the malamad, the madrasa, whatever you wanna call it. That that would one too, and you're gonna finish the Quran too. And I was like, all right, no worries. And I was a chill kid, you know. I I was like, yeah, you want to, you want me to do it? Yes, all right, fine. fine. I'll, I was like, fine, I'll do it. No no worries. Mm. Uh, but I was a massive gamer, so uh, she was like, listen, you're not gonna memorize the Quran if you keep playing games. And I was like, I was like, all right, I'll play a little bit every day, you know, like like an hour or whatever. Mm-hmm. And. Um, so what happened was I started going to that uh, that Quran madrasa out in Surrey. Shout out to Darul Ulum. And what happened was the first couple of days, I'd like she'd, she'd be home, so I'd play like half an hour and I'd do my Quran, you know. Mm-hmm. Then I remember one day she went somewhere and I was playing game for like maybe like ten hours. Damn. And it was back in the day with the GameCube, you know. So oh, I forget what I was yeah. playing. I think it was like Legend of Zelda or something. Anyways, yeah, time right? just disappears on that. But right, yeah, I was, I was. So I remember, I remember she came home. She left. I was playing video games. She came home. I was still playing. So she's like, "Say Allah, you're playing game the entire time." And I was like, "No, no, no way!" You know, <laughs> right when you left, I turned it off and I just turned yeah. it back on. So she took the GameCube and she's like, "You want to see this again? Memorize the Quran." And I went into hyperdrive, man. Oh, I need, I needed man. my game. Right? <laughs> so Alhamdulillah, I remember Quran in seven months, right? To this day, for a GameCube, by the way, yeah, <laughs> right? You know, it's yeah. funny to this day. You never seen that GameCube. I never seen that GameCube. <laughs> 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 I never seen that GameCube, man. I remember yeah, yeah. the day I finished. I went up to my mom. I was like, "All right, you know, I held up my end of the bargain. Where's the yeah, GameCube?" Yeah. And she's like, "Say, Wallah, you're a half and you still want to play video games?" Uh, she's like, "Nah, come on, so, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah." She pulled a fast one on me. Come on now. <laughs> that's so, uh, so yeah, so that's how I ended up uh, memorizing the Quran. 
And initially, I had no intention of memorizing the Quran mm-hmm. for memorizing the Quran. I, I memorized it for to get my GameCube back. But it shows you, right? again, we're tying back to the previous episode, mm-hmm. limitless potential. Yeah, like, subhanAllah, like, you look at seven months. Mm-hmm. You, how could you have known that you could do that? And yeah. you would have not sure. been motivated if you didn't see Dawood to do that and exactly. think it's possible. That guy. Yeah, and so, uh, but I remember like I met my uh, my, my current Sheikh, Sheikh Salah Haddin, who's still teaching Quran, you know, so mm-hmm. if y'all got any kids, <laughs> he's the man you want to send him to. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless him. And so he instilled that love for the Quran in my heart. Because yeah, you, you were yeah. saying you memorized it just for, you know, get back into video game or yeah. it was just thrown on to you. Exactly. Yeah. But then how did you find the beauty in the, in the heft? Honestly, the biggest thing was through his character. He was such a genuine and, mm-hmm. and great man that like, and he was teaching Quran his entire life. So this mm-hmm. day, his, his main source of income is teaching Quran. Mm-hmm. Right? And so um, he is the one who instilled that love for the Quran in me. And once I finished uh, learning the Quran, I realized that I did not know a word of the 604 pages that I memorized, right? It's, yeah. It was complete gibberish to me. I knew how to read it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I did not understand a single word of it. Yeah. And so I got busy with high school, but then I, I made a, a goal in my mind when I was about grade 10, grade 11. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to learn Arabic. I mean, I'm going to find some way to um, learn the meaning of all of, this, yeah. all of these words in my head, you know? Mm-hmm. And so what happened is my mom again, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless her, she's, she's the one who went and like started searching for like universities, places where I could go and like mm-hmm. study Islam in depth. And she found out about the Islamic University of, uh, of Medina. Mm-hmm. And so back then, their website's a little bit better now for those of you who are, <laughs> who are interested in that field. But back then their website was entirely in Arabic, correct? And I didn't, and I didn't understand a word of Arabic. And my mom's Arabic is, is an intermediate level, you know? So shui, shui. She, yeah, she put the pieces together. <laughs> she put the pieces together for us to, to, to send off an application. And this was in 2012. Yeah. So we it's sent initiation, yeah. man. Everything blew out of it. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? So we sent off the application. And, uh, you know, I got busy with post-secondary. I honestly, I forgot about it. Um, I completely forgot about, about that application that we sent. And then what happened is they got back to me in 2017. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right? And at this point, I was nearing the end of my third year at UBC, I completely forgot I applied. I you remember know? that we were having a conversation during yeah. that time and you're like, there's this hurdle and this hoop and you had to talk to this person. To, yeah. There was a lot that went there was a There was a lot because that, that was like the post-acceptance process. Uh, so once you get accepted, now you got to do all this paperwork just to get yourself over there. Mm-hmm. You know, and that took me like six, seven months itself. Um, but I remember like I woke up one day for Fedger and uh, one of the local brothers sent me a text message. He's like, oh, congratulations, you got accepted. I was like, yeah. I was like, it took me a good like. Five. I was like, oh yeah, I applied, you know. Yeah. So I completely forgot, and I'm telling you, like, um, the moment I found out they got accepted, I wasn't happy, because uh, I had so much going on in my life at that point yeah. in time, that I was like, this could possibly be the worst time that mm-hmm. I could like be accepted, and it was something that I really wanted to do, but then over time I lost interest in it. First of all. And also the yeah. timing too. And second of all, the so timing was just, on. yeah, the timing was just terrible. But to this day, I see that as a test mm-hmm. from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Is this something that I really wanted to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Was I willing to sacrifice things to get there? Yeah. Yeah, so I would have to change my entire 10-year plan. And then, so, I was very conflicted when I first got accepted. Um, but then, I prayed a istikhara about what I should do. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go forth with it. And I'm going to... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my way to Medina and I'm going to drop everything that I had going on in Vancouver. You said something interesting right now. You said you lost interest, but then you regained and kind of like realigned everything for yourself. Yeah. So for now, let me speak for myself. Like I'm sure we all go through where it's like, okay, you're on the dean, everything's well, and then sometimes you get knocked off course. Mm-hmm. What is the time that you got knocked off course and like found yourself coming back on the right track? 
And like, does that, how does that look for you? Do you have a process? Like, how is that where it's like, okay, you're on the Dean, everything's going well. And sometimes you just find yourself just swaying off mm -hmm. and then maybe a week, two weeks, three months, you know what I mean? Six yeah, months. How are you okay with failure and with your Iman dropping? How do you get back? It, uh, it increases and decreases, right? It's not something that stays stagnant. Uh -huh. um, and throughout my life, I'd find that my Iman would, would, would decrease or like, I'd, like you said, be knocked off track. Either if I was really busy with something else, whether it's school or work or whatever, and I didn't find myself um, having the routine that I have. And uh -huh. I think that's a very important thing to like preserving Iman is you got to have a routine for yourself. Whatever, whatever it looks like for you where, you know, a certain part of your day is, is allocated towards, you know, whether it's supplication or reading Quran or perfecting your prayers or some, some part of, of spirituality or religiosity uh -huh. that you make a, um, a consistent part of your day. How do you get to that point? How do you make yourself feel and get to that point? Because that point is the mm. hardest part. It, it, and it has to come from a place of discipline, not from a place of motivation, mm. right? And so it's just like everything else in life. So let's say, for example, you're trying to work out, you know, you're trying to get big, right? Speaking for myself, because I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a lanky dude. I have maybe tried to get big like 16 or 17 times in my life, you know? And I always drop out within the first month. Yeah. And the reason is because that first month is so hard. You go to the gym, you see all these super jack dudes, you know, you get a little self-conscious, you try to lift the weights, you're scared you might injure yourself, you know, you go, you wake up the next day, you're really sore, it's not a good feeling. Yeah. And you can take that same, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You can take that same mentality, mentality and apply it to the deep, gotcha. right? The initial aspect when a person feels far from Allah that path that they have to go through to get back to Allah is a very difficult and uncomfortable path, mm. right? And there's nothing pleasurable about it. The, like for a person to taste the sweetness of Iman, they have to overcome that initial um, difficulty, that initial hurdle, right? So yeah, you have to take that same mentality and you have to apply it to the deen. You have to apply it to your relationship with Allah, right? Just as working out is uncomfortable for the first month or two months or three months until yeah. you get into the habit you know, and the habit now becomes more beloved to you than the pain that you're going through, mm. your relationship with the deen needs to be the same way, right? It's not, a lot of people think that, you know, okay, I fell off, I'm trying to come back, I prayed salah, and I don't feel good. You know, of course mm. you're not going to feel good. It's not you know? instantaneous. It's not instantaneous. It takes work, right? Mm. It's going to take months. Um, it might take years, right? But what you need, you need, what you need is that discipline. And, then, and that discipline comes from the mindset that you know this is good for you, mm. right? People work out, people, people do amazing things because the, the goal that they're trying to reach is more valuable to them than the pain that they're going through, mm -hmm. right? And if you want your heart to be connected to Allah, there's a lot you gotta cleanse off, right? And the pain that it takes to scrub all of that off of your heart is something that you're gonna have to be willing to go through to, to rebuild that relationship with Allah. As a person that's just going through the motions of life, yeah. Why is it important to me to get back on that path? And that's the first question you need to ask yourself, right? Mm -hmm. you, need to, you need to determine why it's important for you, right? And that's why, like, one of the main tenets and themes of Islam is that Allah guides whom He wills, right? Mm -hmm. No matter how much you talk to somebody, no matter how much you preach them, no matter how much you hold their hand, if they don't want to be guided, they're not going to be guided, yeah, you right? Can bring, you can bring the person, they say, you know, you bring uh, whomever to the well, it's up to them to actually go in and take drink. the water yeah. and drink. Right? Exactly, right? And one of the ways that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed us that was through the disbelief of the closest supporter of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa his uncle. Mm -hmm. Right? If anybody were to accept Islam, it would be his uncle. Yeah. Right? And even after he died, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made dua for him many, many, many times. And Allah says, mm -hmm. Allah yahdi man yasha, that 
you, O Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, cannot guide whom you love, but it's rather Allah who guides whom He loves. Right. So that you, the best thing you can do is you can ask Allah subhanahu wa taala to put that that feeling in your heart, that feeling that I want to get better and I'm going to do what it takes to get better. Yeah, and so mm-hmm. sometimes you just you have to have those values in you. Mm-hmm. And I think one big thing, you know, just to tie into community real quick, is sometimes we see so much potential in our brothers and sisters, and we want to bring that out from them, but that's only because we see that. You know, they might not even have an inclination mm-hmm. to want to even delve into that part of themselves. Yeah. So you know, you can tell them, no, you know, you have this, you can bring this out, you know, work on it. But if that innate drive and passion isn't there you can't force it out of them. Mm-hmm. And you actually might, um, they might actually want to detach from you mm-hmm. the more that you're trying to pull them in. Great, resentment between you guys. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why even, you know, growing up sometimes when, uh, you know, going to be Muslim school, sometimes teachers would have a, a, a different approach to teach Islam. They would teach it through fear rather, through, rather than through good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, from simple things, you know, cover your mouth when you're yawning. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying there's an etiquette and there's, you know, mm-hmm. and respect for other people, it's like, oh no, shaitan's going to pee in your mouth. Mm-hmm. You're like, come <laughs> on. You know, like, no, and yeah, and, and unfortunately, a lot of that comes because, especially for like our parents' generation, for a lot of people, um, Islam is sort of passed down as culture, you know. Yeah, and it's like, there's, oh, if you don't pray at night, you're gonna get choked. Uh, exactly you're, right. You're and gonna there's, die. There's really no yeah. what 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 has been zapped out of our discussions of Islam and um, growing closer to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is the love that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has for His servants, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. A lot of it is, you know, it's like a checklist. All right, I prayed, I fasted, you know, yeah. I didn't do any of this. I'm gonna go to Jannah, mm-hmm. right? And that's that's not the case, right? Because mm-hmm. what if you're now a righteous, prideful person? Exactly. You see what yeah, I'm saying, like, oh, right? You know, we it's, follow the sunnah, but we're talking, backbiting, doing it, all these things. Exactly, and Islam came as a religion to, to make you not only um, a productive member of your society, but also a good person internally. Mm-hmm. And so, if your prayer, if your fasting, if all these good deeds that you're doing is not cleansing you, and then by extension causing you to cleanse your society, mm-hmm. then there's something wrong in that equation. Yeah, because yeah. if mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, like. This is another thing where we go back to judging people. We were having a conversation before we hit record on judgment or being judged or judging. Um, and you, know, you can have someone that, you know, mashallah, they dress a certain way. They have uh, either, you know, a full big beard or wearing hijab or what have you. But if the akhlaq and the deen aren't there, it's not one or the other. You need to have both. Exactly. It has to be cohesiveness. And I think when we pick and choose or we're like, oh, no, but, you know, I'm fasting, I'm praying, I'm doing all these things giving sadaqah, doing my zakah, mm-hmm. went to hajj, but, and, you know, I have the beard, I have this, yeah. but you're backbiting people, or you're, exactly. not, you're not a positive source mm-hmm. um, in the community, then that sort of, you can't say it cancels out, but no, it has to yeah. be cohesive. And, and not to, uh, sorry, yeah, and not to, um, not to downplay the importance of, you know, all of the obligations that Allah has put, out, put on us, Absolutely. but the purpose of the obligations is to transform you. And that's what we're trying to get at, right? If, you, yeah. if it's not transforming you, then you need to go back and look, am I doing these obligations the way that I'm, I'm supposed to be doing them? Did you ever experience that? Like that either people thinking you're judging or you're doing the, or the opposite of that. So. Oh, oh, definitely, man. I never told you about my mufti face. As my friends like to call it, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I remember when I was a young teenager, I'm thinking like what, 16, 17? Mm-hmm. Um, and most people who grew up in like very religious settings like I did, they go through this where, you know, like it's, 
life is nice because it's black and white, you know? Mm-hmm. You got haram here, you got halal here. <laughs> There's no nuance. There's nothing, you know? Yeah, yeah. You either walk and talk and look and think and act exactly like me or you're off it, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, I went through that phase as well. Um, and I think it was university that opened, that, that opened me up, you know, because you go to university and you got a nice spectrum, you know? <laughs> there, there's like one other dude who kind of looks like me, you know? Not, not even really, you know? I think it was Ethiopian, no? <laughs> no, right? But it's, right, there's a spectrum and then you open up your mind to, okay, you know, Islam came to more than just me, you know? Yeah. Like, it's not, like, Islam came to the entire world and if I'm looking for people to think and walk and talk yeah. and act exactly like me, then what I'm saying is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to let me and my four homies into Jannah, you know, mm-hmm. and, everybody, and everybody else is and Islam, right? Islam came as something strange to the people, mm-hmm. and not just to one group of people. When you look at who accepted Islam even in the very beginning, from very different walks of life. Exactly, right? And a lot of people, what they do is in their, in their attempt to grow closer to Allah or in their attempt to become more religious, they, they fall prey to a narrative that, you know, you have to, you can't, quote unquote be yourself right mm-hmm. you can't have your personality you can't be who you are there is this mold and you got to fit into the mold and when you fit into that mold then Allah is going to love you right and that's not true yeah. so long as you're doing what Allah has told you to do mm-hmm. and you're not doing what Allah has told you not to do be yourself also the someone's iman and their faith mm-hmm. and their deen their islam whatever it may be um, labeled as you know, it's something very personal and intimate yeah. between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mm-hmm. I think one issue you know growing up when I look at you know, how, how we were raised and, and taught the deen. Of course, you were doing it for yourself, but, you know, maybe if you if you prayed a certain way, then in the masjid, then I would pray how everyone else prayed or take the same amount of time mm-hmm. that it would take other people just so that, you know, you're like, oh, people are watching or I have to yeah. fit this mold. Mm-hmm. But if you take longer in sujood for certain aspects or you do, you know, record maybe quicker, all these different things, you know, there's an element that we shouldn't be praying or acting a certain way just for other people's uh, viewing. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you fall into that because you're like, oh, I don't want anyone to talk anything. But your faith is something very personal to you. Mm-hmm. So how do you be stay genuine in that and stay true to yourself, but also be following the... the so um, this actually takes me back because we were talking earlier about some of the problems of, you know, growing up Muslim. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest things I see is that, especially kids that are taught Islam or taught, we don't teach them what it means to believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know? Mm-hmm. We teach them, you gotta pray, you gotta fast, Ramadan's around the corner, you know, we don't teach them about zakat because they're kids, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, and we, we teach them about, like, what Allah expects from them, but we don't teach them who Allah is. Why does Allah expect this from them? Why should they even worship Allah, right? I think that why is so important. Yeah. And, and not just, yeah, in Islam, but also growing up in school, everything is like, do this, do this, do this. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's coming from a very command-heavy standpoint, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And once a person, and this, this, is just, this is just human nature, if I love somebody and that person tells me, hey, do this, I'm not second-guessing it. Yeah. Oh, I'm be like, sure. oh, yeah, I love you, I'm going to do anything for you, mm-hmm. right? And so what we need to do is we need to instill that love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mm-hmm. and then the commandments become easy to do yes. right but then right now if I don't know you if I see some random shit in the street he's like hey yo okay you can cut that off I was gonna, yeah. I was, I was gonna say like a super weird example <laughs> <laughs> no but, yeah, right no but, but what I'm saying is like if you, if you see like a random stranger and they tell you to do like I don't know something random give me something random backflip Right, they tell you to do a backflip, like, get out of my face, man. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not going to do a backflip, right? Yeah. I, I can't do a backflip, so yeah. I'm not, not going to do that anyways. But my point is, 
that that aspect of if you have a deeper affinity to exactly someone, that yeah. aspect we, we don't we don't teach kids we don't start off with who Allah is why Allah expects us to worship him why we should worship him because even let's say somebody falls off if as long as they have those values they're the eventually going to come back yeah, they're the eventually going to come back but if somebody does not have any of those values and all they know is yo I got to pray because my dad's watching and I'm about to get beat if I don't pray mm. then the moment dad stops watching him he's not going to pray yeah. right mm. and so um, this actually reminds me of a, of a very um, powerful statement from Aisha, um, the mother of the believers, where she speaks about how the Messenger of Allah um, designed his preaching. Mm-hmm. And his preaching was very faith-based first. Mm-hmm. Right? And so he instilled faith in the hearts of his companions, and then the rulings of halal and haram came down later. And she has a statement where she says that had the first verses that Allah revealed in the Quran, had they been verses that told the people to stop drinking alcohol, the people would have said, Wallahi, I'm never going to stop drinking alcohol. Mm-hmm. Right? And if the, um, if the first verses Allah revealed in the Quran were verses where Allah told the believers to not commit zina, to not have sex, the people would have said, we're never going to stop having sex. But yeah. the first verses that Allah revealed in the Quran were verses that spoke about the Day of Judgment, who Allah was, His attributes, His characteristics, mm-hmm. until the hearts became attached to Allah, and then the verses of Halal and Haram came and down. Actually, a beautiful thing with that, I was listening to one of the sheikh uh, giving a speech, and he was talking about how you know, the, the Arabs at the time were so stubborn that if the ayat came down revealing that it is completely haram to drink, mm-hmm. then they would be like, no, what do you mean it's haram to drink? We want to drink. Mm-hmm. But it said, you know, the... Uh, your salah is not accepted for 40 days. Yeah. So then when they were trying to piece together, oh, when can I drink? Like, Wait a second. Salah will never be accepted. It's every 40 days. Like, yeah. So there's no loophole around mm-hmm. it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows his creation. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not, and he's addressing it in the way that we will actually. Exactly. And, and, and alcohol is a, is a very um, mm-hmm. in, a good case study of that because it came down in stages, right? Like alcohol yeah, was exactly. not like haram in one, in one fell soup. Right, because you and and that again ties us back to how can how we can address the issues in society, is you have to look at the problem and you have to see if this is a simple problem or a complex problem, mm-hmm. and you cannot address a complex problem with one solution. Yeah. Right? it requires many solutions.